guys, welcome to Minefields. Welcome to installment number two of And Now for Something Completely Different. Once again, starring Mr. Big Guns. How you doing, brother? Uh, I'm doing well, man. I am, uh, I'm up here in Denver, I'm fulfilling some military obligations this weekend, but excited to talk to you guys. Uh, feeling nice and refreshed. I got plenty of water, so let's get into it. Right on, man. So we're talking about Hanukkah. I, I approached guns a long time ago and said, hey, I want, I want to learn about this awesome thing called Judaism. It's something I am not educated in. It's also something I wouldn't know where the first place to begin to start learning about anything about it. I find it fascinating. I find it beautiful. And uh, I thank you for being on the show to talk about it. Today we're talking about Hanukkah. When yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun subject because I think a lot of Americans, and this is uh, part of our fault as, as a Jewish population, have sort of leaned into this, is a lot of people associate Hanukkah as sort of a Jewish Christmas, and it's not even remotely the same thing. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Well, uh, start us off with when you f- talk about your first Hanukkah. Like, uh, was there a was there a thing where you already knew what Christmas was and you wanted to celebrate Christmas because there's presents in Santa, or is it you, the other way around where you were in the Hanukkah first and then you learned what Christmas was? Um, sure. So I, I mean, I, I can't really remember. Um, you know, before my parents got divorced, so when my parents were still married, we always just did Christmas. Um, done Christmas, so you know, probably my earliest memory, earliest holiday memories around age seven or eight. Um, we were doing Christmas in the household, and then I would go over to some friend's house for Hanukkah. And the one that I distinctly remember, I was either seven or eight, like I said. Um, I can remember just being in their kitchen, and there were so many people over there, and everyone was really happy, and a lot of what I think people associate, at least in America, with Christmas, family and food and warmth and, and all that kind of stuff, I was getting the same kind of vibes. Um, so, you know, it, it's just sort of always been around. And there's been years where I didn't participate in it at all and some years where I did a little bit and some years like last year and this year where we go through kind of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, just like anything in Judaism, there's so many different interpretations of it, um, depending on, you know, how religious you want to get with it. Well, I mean, it's up to you. You want to talk about how you particularly, like, because we're focused on you, uh, obviously, about how you guys celebrate it uh, as a family, or if you want to go the traditional route. We're both. It's up to you, man. Well, uh, I guess probably the best thing to do is, is first describe what it is. Cool. And this is something I specialize in. You know, I've uh, I've given several talks in various classroom settings over the years. Um, it's for for Judaism. Hanukkah is not a super big holiday. Um, most Americans generally recognize Passover because it comes around Easter, okay. and most people recognize Hanukkah because it comes around Christmas. But the you know. Passover is a big one. It's a big holiday. But Hanukkah is really not. Um, in fact, Hanukkah isn't even mentioned in any of sort of the prescribed religious texts. Um, so basically what happened is way, 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 way back. Um, and, uh, Are we talking pre-Moses? 
Uh, no, no, no. This is, so we're talking around 200 BC. You know, I don't have the exact dates in front of me. I should have taken better notes, but it was around 200 BC. Um, the Jews were expelled from the temple in Jerusalem. And after a few years, there, there was a giant, large-scale revolt read, led by uh, a man named Manasyahu, who was a Jewish priest. And he had five sons. Uh, the, the most well-known of the sons was Judah. And Judah was, became known as Judah the Hammer because he was sort of the fiercest warrior. And the hammer is translated, you know, from old Hebrew, sort of, to Hamakabi, which has over the years through Greek translations and whatnot become Maccabee. So okay. we call it the Maccabee Revolt. And he is Judah Maccabee, his father, Manasyahu Maccabee. Manasyahu died, Judah Maccabee took over, and they, they liberated the temple um, from the Hellenes or the Greeks. And the Greeks had sort of defaced the temple. They'd made sacrifices to Zeus at the altar. They had put pig's blood everywhere. So when Judah Maccabee liberated the temple, they needed to, you know, light the, the holy oil, right? They needed to cleanse this temple. Agreed. But there was only enough oil for one night. It would take eight days to properly manufacture the kosher oil that was needed to properly cleanse the temple. So they lit what oil they had, and it's the miracle of the oil. It burned for eight days and eight nights, just enough time for them to get kosher oil back and cleanse the temple. And, of course, we know the temple was raised later on, you know, 400 years later. But um, So that's the story of Hanukkah. Well, so really all it is is it's, you know, as we talked about before in the last time I was on your podcast. The Festival like of Lights. So Jewish, like, so, yeah, it's like so many Jewish holidays. We're celebrating how we liberated ourselves and overcame sort of our oppressors. But this holiday is a little different because it was done through force of will and through, you know, popular a popular uprising. So that's why it's called the Festival of Lights, and that's why we light the menorah. Uh, which they... menorah is actually just the Hebrew word for candelabra, so it's really a Hanukkah. But we won't get too into the weeds with that. But so that's the, the story of Hanukkah, and I knew that growing up as a kid. But the best way it was ever explained to me was on Nickelodeon. The show Rugrats did a Rugrats Hanukkah special. That, that was phenomenal. Tommy Pickles, the main character. Yeah, his grandparents are Jewish. And it's actually an amazing retelling. And, and they did it so much better than I did. And they explain everything from the dreidel to how we had to hide the Torah scrolls. It, it was great. And I was a little old for Rugrats. But I remember watching that, especially with my little brother, and I was like, wow, this is this is amazing. It's the best retelling, at least, I had ever seen from an American perspective. Yeah, well, it, the, the people took exp extra special care. I remember being that, that being such an impactful episode, like little Tommy learning about it. And, and that's when I, I really didn't know anything about Judaism. The only thing that I was really taught was that the Jews killed our Lord. And but not in a not in a don't like the Jews type way, but that's just what how it was presented type thing. Like you know, don't hate them, but 
that's just I, I don't know even how to put it out in any in any other sense of that it's just part of the textbook like they killed Jesus okay whatever um, I don't know it's kind of weird to say it, say it like that but I, I want to rewind and I want to a couple follow-up questions here you said kosher oil um, wh what is there to do to, to manufacture kosher oil does it have anything to do with the animal they use when they render the fat or or am I completely so, off off base on that? No. So the, the truth of it is, has sort of been lost to the sands of time. Now, this is pre-rabbis. So there was no rabbis during the Maccabean revolt. There was priests, which, of course, you know, from a Christian perspective or generally an American perspective, you know, as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They existed, but rabbis didn't. So we don't really 100% know what that kosher oil is. Um, it's nothing special as far as how we celebrate it today, unless you're sort of in that ultra Orthodox community. And then there is some blessings and some stuff that go into it and where it's derived from, what animals you take it from, you know, obviously you're not going to use pork fat. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. To make the oil. Um, but you know, you're also talking about the land of Israel, so they didn't have like a whale. So I'm I'm not 100 percent sure, and historically we don't 100 percent know either. Did they use a menorah on those the eight nights that the oil lasted? Um, they use a version of it because again, the menorah is just a Hebrew word for a candelabra. Gotcha. So, sort of the the image that most people associate with Judaism, aside from the the Magen David, the Star of David, is the Hanukkah which is the nine-branched menorah, the candelabra. And I can go into what that means in, in just a sec. But cool. um, that may have existed back then, but probably not because, you know, they were living the history. So they wouldn't have had a candelabra that had the nine branches because it didn't mean anything to them yet. Gotcha. Yeah, that, 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 that's, what I was, that's what I was getting at was whether or not if it was something that was specific, this is exactly the style design uh, or – something can be appropriated or if it was just something kind of just general candelabra just it just happened to be there yeah i mean you got to remember back in you know 200 bce you had all these cultures sort of in that middle eastern area that were all sort of sharing and borrowing from one another yeah so you know this was several centuries before rabbinical law so a lot of that stuff is, is a little more fluid you know that the candelabra they, they may have used may have been something from the Seleucid Empire, which is one of the people they were rebelling against. We don't really know because that temple no longer exists, so we don't have any archaeological evidence. Sad. Question. Do you know all this just from your own love of your religion, or is this something that you have to memorize in order you know, to get to Bar Mitzvah? Uh, no. So... The bar mitzvah process is something completely different. Well, not completely different, but um, this is one that, again, I've given talks on this, so I'm doing this off the top of my head. But um, So some of the exact details might be, like, I don't know exact dates, but I also have a history degree, so right. uh, that helps. Uh, I don't specialize in Middle Eastern history at all, or Semitic history. The, the, um, the reason... I have that kind of brain. You absolutely you do, and that's one of the reasons I'm happy to have you on the show because I know that everything you're going to say is going to be accurate, whether or not it's like to the exact BC, 
Uh, but the, the reason I, 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 gotta, I guess I got to clarify my, my last statement or question, actually, was because uh, being raised Catholic, you're, you're baptized, and then you have to learn all your prayers, learn all the, uh, all the Bible stories, Esther, um, Judith, uh, you know, the Joseph, and then you first communion when you first get to accept the host, and then there is your confirmation where that's it's kind of like the your adult version of, of, of a baptism because you were baptized to cleanse you of sin, and then confirmation is like now I'm truly accepting exactly everything that led up to you know being baptized and what that meant like you're 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 confirming i'm i'm part of the church and i know all this information so in order to answer if the answer the questions that you're asking that i'm asking you uh, i i was wondering if that, that's what like bar mitzvah would be like is that like the confirmation the equivalent type thing but i guess it's just you know, obviously two different cultures and forgive me I, I, if i ask anything that sounds ignorant i'm just I just really want to get to the root of it and using my own knowledge from when I was raised. So, Again, sort of that, that passage of manhood or womanhood mm-hmm. is common in so many different cultures and religions. So a bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah isn't the same thing as a confirmation, but it's not all that different either. Right. In, in the, in the grand scheme of things. So it's, it's easy to, you know, sort of dance around it or try not to offend someone by it. But in reality, as human beings, there's certain landmarks we hit. No matter what religion or culture we're part of, we we tend to have that, that landmark. In in America, honestly, if in a totally secular arena, it's usually like your driver's license. Yeah. And if you if you think about it like the, the test you take to get your driver's license and all the studying you do, and you have to do it in front of a licensed person and they deem you worthy to have this driver's license. And now you sort of have your independence. Right. Right. That's the same thing as a confirmation or a bar mitzvah or this, that, and the other. So um, I know we kind of got off track of our main topic here, but so, you know, I think you'll find that, some people might take offense. I'm not going to take offense because I recognize sort of the threads of humanity that run through all religions and cultures. Well, I, I appreciate that, man. And also, you know that uh, I hope you know that I'm not coming from a bad place if I ask a question. And you forgive me if I'm dancing around it. But let's uh, let, let's move on. How do you how do you celebrate Hanukkah? Well, how do I celebrate Hanukkah? Or how are you supposed to? No, uh, how do, how you do you, ask... no, let, no. Let's ask you. I want to know you. Like how, like. Please, if, if you're comfortable enough, yeah, let's uh, tell me how you celebrate, how you and your family celebrate Hanukkah. So, you know, just like any religion, but Judaism especially, if you ask 100 Jewish people how, how to do something, you'll get 100 different answers. Right. It's always a very personal thing, but uh, we just do a very, very standard thing. So on the first night, this year's going to be a little different, I'll get into that in a sec, but... The first night, we usually make a big meal, big, nice Hanukkah brisket. Uh, we eat some sifkaniyot, which is a, a Jewish donut, really, a jelly donut. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we pass out presents. And I sort of graduate my presents. So the first night is usually something very simple. And then by the time we get to the eighth night, we're usually, it's something a little bit more substantial. Um Right as the sun sets on the first night, uh, what you do is, so you have nine branches on your menorah, right? right? There's one in the center, 
and that's your guardian candle, right? Or your shamash. And that's what you light first, and you light it with a match. And then every other candle you light, and I think you probably know this as do most people, you add a candle every night. You use the shamash to light each successive candle. Gotcha. Um, so that, that first night, it's very important to get it right. Always light it with a match. And you light your first one right as the sun goes down. It has to burn for at least 30 minutes. Um, that's sort of a Talmudic principle. Um, it doesn't say it anywhere in, in the Bible, right? Anywhere in the Torah. Mm-hmm. Hanukkah is entirely a Talmudic holiday. Um, the story of it is in First and Second Maccabees, which is not in the Jewish Bible, but is in the Catholic Bible. And mo- generally most Christian Bibles. Some not. Anyway, I mean, I'm trying. Um, and then we usually, I mean, a lot of it's about food and fellowship. This year's going to be different because we're not going to have anybody over. What we generally like to do is we like to take some goyim, some non-Jewish people, and have them come over that first night. Um, explain the story of Hanukkah to them. We eat the big meal. We spin a little dreidel. You know, you're gambling with chocolate money or geld, handing out presents, just sort of laughing and, and enjoying fellowship with each other. Good. And then that's just that's just me, and that's – you know, the family that I would do Hanukkahs with uh, growing up, they did the same thing. The first night was usually a big one. You know, it seemed like every Jew in Missoula, Montana was over at the house that first night. And then, you know, then you kind of did, did your own thing. Um, but again, it's it's really all about fellowship and celebrating and really passing those stories on. You know, it's similar to in Passover, there's sort of a call and response during dinner. Um Hanukkah is a little less formal, you know. It, it's not like I said; it's not a big religious holiday, so it's mentioned in the Talmud, but it's not something that you even really have to do. Is it? Um, it's become very, it's become very popular in America because it generally falls around Christmas. Is it something that you could get off work for? No, no, it's not. Uh, it's not sort of a Sabbath type holiday. Um, you still do everything you would do during the day. You're not prohibited from doing anything. Uh, depending on how orthodox you get, you know, I mean, really on the Sabbath, it's supposed to be a day of rest. So if Hanukkah ends up falling on the Sabbath, you get into these weird technicalities. But I'm not that orthodox with it, obviously. Um, some people are. But um, no, it's not something that you are going to skip work for or anything like that because it, it really it happens at night. It's the Festival of Lights. It's meant to sort of celebrate our heritage and show everyone our heritage. So during the day, there's nothing you really do for Hanukkah. It's when the lights go out. Gotcha. And then you light the menorah, and then, you know, the house is... So the oil, obviously, is the recurring thing because it's the miracle of the oil. So if you're on a diet, Hanukkah is not the holiday for you. Gotcha. <laughs> because everything is cooked in oil, right? Uh I'm sure you know a potato lot because our potato pancakes, those are always a big one. Um, you can eat them with sour cream. I prefer applesauce. My wife prefers sour cream. Like I said, the sifganiod, which is my favorite, which are deli, uh, jelly donuts, big fatty briskets, um, a lot of dairy foods. You know, Hanukkah has got some some really good food. So all Jewish holidays do. So not not very wrestler on a diet friendly. No, let's just say this year I'm glad that we don't have any shows until January because I'll I'll go nuts this year. 
Last year, I kind of had to be a little stricter, but this year I can let myself go for a couple of weeks. What what does night two signify? Um, so again, some there's different interpretations, right? Some people get more more serious as it goes. Some people get less serious as it goes. Um, some people don't do presence at all. Um, that's a relatively new innovation that again goes along with it generally falling around Christmas. Uh, they, it, they did presents didn't used to be part of Hanukkah at all. Um, so for us, you know, we, we do most of the same. So for the whole eight nights, we're generally eating a lot of oil type foods, oily foods, dairy, um, and doing presents. And then, you know, depending on how everyone's feeling, you know, my wife works really hard. So a lot of times she doesn't have a couple hours to just sit around and spin dreidel, but my daughter and I do get pretty competitive with it sometimes. Um, what is the you know, point of it? Because we get a, um, so the dreidel was a way to teach Torah when Torah was banned, um, but the Hebrew letters weren't. So different, uh, you know, different spins of the dreidel would tell you different parts of the Torah, and you could cover it up. So if the Hellenes were walking by, the Greeks were walking by, and they saw some kids spinning a top. They would just think that they were playing with a toy. They saw some adults spinning the top. They would just think they were gambling, which was not against the rules. But really what they're doing is telling Torah stories. So that's the uh, sort of the story behind why we spin the dreidel. And now it's just become, again, another one of those things that's fun. Uh, Kids love to do it um, because, you know, you're not gambling for real. You can gamble for real money. I never do. But generally, we use the chocolate coins. Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen, you've seen the the chocolate guild. Yeah, and uh, and again, you're just wagering. You're spinning. Uh, your different characters uh, mean different things. And there's little, you know, some people do the the dreidel song. Some people don't. Um, to bring this into the realm, realm, realm of wrestling, way way back when you and I were teenagers, there's a show called Man Show. Yeah. And they had uh, Goldberg on there, and he did Hanukkah with. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel and. Uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Adam, Adam Carolla. Yep. And uh, so, you know, Goldberg's doing all this. And it's played up for comedy. Like, he, he takes some steel bars and bends them over his head and makes a menorah, but he's spinning the dreidel <laughs> for him and saying it. It's really funny, but um, that's how I always. <laughs> remembered is i remember goldberg singing the dreidel song but uh there's you know there's four characters and uh one means you know uh put a piece in one means put all your piece in uh one's take a piece and one's take half the pot so shin is the worst one you can get so if someone spins shin that's you lost you got to put some money into the pot so you chant shin shin put it in anyway uh that's awesome. So that's always a fun. That's always a fun one for the kids. And uh, when my wife is teaching, she's a college professor. I usually go in and speak around Hanukkah time, and all the students love it because the last twenty minutes you just play dreidel, and some of them get into it, especially when it's the the high school kids who are taking college courses. Super competitive, and they'll start putting money in, 
my wife's always got to be like, you can't do that in school. <laughs> it can't allow you to gamble with real money. That, that, that sounds like a lot of fun, man. I love the way, the, the way you can share it like that. Uh, all right, so we obviously said there's there's different interpretations. Uh, what is anything in between night one and the last night that stands out like we got to do this on this night and on this night we do this other than just lighting specific candles? No, not really, because, again, this is uh, it's just an eight day festival celebrating the miracle of the oil, which is sort of us reclaiming the temple, which is reclaiming our heritage. So more so than any, you know, religious aspects, very ceremonial aspects. It's more about just celebrating your culture and celebrating your heritage. What I always say to people is people think of Hanukkah as Jewish Christmas, but it's really more like Jewish Thanksgiving. It's just eight days of it. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, that's sort of the best way that, that I can put it. Why does the date fluctuate? Uh, it does not. You just aren't using the right calendar. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so it, uh, it starts on the 25th of Kislev and always ends on the 3rd of Sevet, and that is the Hebrew calendar. So the Hebrew calendar does not match up with the Gregorian calendar, so what we use. So it shifts sometimes, um, like I believe next year, it actually starts at the end of November, if I recall correctly. And then there's sometimes where it will fall on Christmas. Sometimes it will go almost all the way to the new year. I, I believe with our calendar, the latest it can ever go is 30 December. Don't quote me on that. You might be able to get a 31st in there. It never goes into January. It's never that far. And I think the earliest it can ever be is like 23rd of November. But the Hebrew calendar, just it's a different reckoning of time. So This year it's uh, Thursday night, right? This coming Thursday, yeah. So, like I said, it was uh, this year's going to be a little bit different for us because that first night uh, we talked last time uh, we were talking about Judaism on minefields. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite musical artists is Modest Yahoo. Well, Modest Yahoo is named after Modest Yahoo Maccabee, who started the Maccabean Revolt, which led to Hanukkah. Um, and he, so he does big Hanukkah concerts every year. He usually does them in New York City. He's got this big spinning dreidel disco ball that's very famous. Badass. But this year he's live because he can't have any crowds there. So we bought the live stream. Um, it's going to start probably right around the time it gets dark for us here in Colorado. So it's going to be a little bit different for us, but we're going to watch that instead of sort of our general thing of bringing people over because we can't have people over either. So we're still going to light the menorah. We're still going to give presents. Um, but we're going to watch the Modest Yahoo live stream. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. Anything special you got planned for your family? Like, because because it's something that's just going to be you guys? Like, any specific talks about, like, your own personal development? Like, where you share your stories, you know, with your family that, you know, you know like, how you developed and this is... Like, I would love to celebrate this with you guys, man. This sounds like an amazing learning event. I love food. Uh, I, you just said fellowship. I mean, sign me up, man. Like, next year, if you if you want to invite yeah, me. Uh, well, uh, I, we'll, we'll pencil you in. I, I'd appreciate that, man. I'll, I'll, I'll bring gifts. I, I will... Uh, whatever I need to, to respect to respect it, uh, I'm, I'm 100% down. Um, man, that just sounds like something I wish, like... Because one of the things that I really hate about Catholicism, well, not hate, I, 
I do not like is uh, I can't remember what TV show I was watching was that someone said that you Catholics don't celebrate your religion, you mourn it. And I would love a, I would love a, a, even though I don't consider myself Catholic anymore, there are some Bible stories that I just absolutely like adore. Like, like, I, like I would teach my kids just so they could have a good story, like the story of Esther. And I would love to share that. Like, this is why, this is the story of Esther and this is how it has affected me and how it's helped me conduct myself as a, a, a functional human being, uh, up to up to today, or or, or Ruth, you know th- th- those sort of things. I'm, I'm pretty inspired by this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, so a big shift sort of in Hanukkah happened post World War II. In uh, you remember last time we spoke about this, we talked about the Chabad movement, which is a branch of Hasidic Judaism. Yes, sir. It really made a concerted effort to use Hanukkah as a time to teach non-Jews about Jewish culture, because the idea of uh, Rebbe Menachem Mendel was if we can get them to appreciate us and our culture, they won't see us as outsiders and the Holocaust will never happen again. You know, we've, we've been persecuted for our entire existence because we never bothered to reach out and, and show these people who we really are. So he used Hanukkah because he was smart enough to realize when he moved to America, okay, these Americans really love Christmas. And our <laughs> holiday falls right around that same time. So let's, let's use this. Um, you know, for him, it was a message he received from God. But looking at it from a secular perspective, he was smart enough to realize, okay, these people have a very special holiday around the same time that we have a holiday. Let's use that the same and, way. The same way Constantine, when he was, uh, you know, uh, asserting Catholicism on everybody, used uh, like Yule. You know, we're going to do this at this time because this is when everyone is uh, like absolutely. There's nothing going to stop them from celebrating this particular festival, whether or not we, we allow them to do it their specific way or not. It just makes sense to assimilate it that way. I like that, man. That's it. it I, I agree. Like, yeah, message from God, but at the same time, though, very smart. Yeah, and one side effect is, of course, people think Hanukkah is Jewish Christmas, but uh, it really has. It has brought it into pretty much every American. They may not know the ins and outs. Well, they will after they listen to Minefield's podcast featuring Big Guns Justin Andrews. But for most people, they, they don't know the ins and outs of Hanukkah, but they know it exists, and they know it falls around the same time as Christmas. And for us, that's a big thing. For a group of people who have, throughout our existence, generally held ourselves a little separate from other people, uh, for them to recognize at least that, that's a big win for us. It really is. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this, man. Like, as we wind down, is there any, like, uh, like adult drinks that uh, Jews drink around Hanukkah that's really specific? Like, a specific wine or uh, cocktail? Oh, so, um, pretty much all Jewish holidays have a lot of wine drinking. Um, I personally do not like wine. Uh, my wife does not like wine. Um, so we tend to shy away from that. Not, 
for any religious reason or anything like that. I just don't like to taste the wine. I really like grape juice. I think if you put alcohol in it, it makes it taste like nasty crap. So we don't drink it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll have a beer or two, but uh, that's that's about it. Um, we're not a huge drinking family. But generally, yeah, you, you drink a lot of wine. Obviously, you're going to make extra care to drink kosher wine. Um, and, again, kosher wine is... In this day and age, let's be honest, it's mostly a marketing tool, but uh, there are some practices they have to follow um, just to make sure that it's kosher wine. Manish fights is sort of the go-to for everyone. But, uh, yeah, really a glass or two of wine. And really, if you, it's not a real Hanukkah brisket unless you make it with wine. So we'll cook with wine. We may not drink the wine, but we'll cook with it for sure. If I was if I was to come to your home and there was you know children there celebrating Hanukkah, what sort of toys should I get? Like you know you said like obviously from the first night it's going to be something little and gradually you build something you know you know for the something the, the big boy. Uh, what other than a dreidel, I have no idea. Yeah, so I mean it's kind of a joke, but really sort of the tradition for Ashkenazi American Jews is the first night you tend to usually get like socks but they're nice socks you're not going to get you know a six pack of hanes <laughs> you know white socks you're going to get like some wigwam wool nice winter socks something useful and practical but maybe not super fancy um so like last year i believe for my wife i got her some of those like sock slipper things that you wear in the house they go on like socks but they're kind of almost like a slipper to keep your feet warm. Yeah. And then uh, my daughter, I think I got her maybe some mittens on the first night. Um, I won't tell you what I'm getting them this year. Yeah. Gotcha. First night. Um, but yeah, so it's generally something, something like that, but sort of the tradition, and this isn't like a, a Talmudic principle at all, but one of the traditions is it generally has to be something kind of useful. It okay. has to be something that's last. Right. Like I said, you're, you're not going to get them a pair of those, the Hanes socks, because those aren't going to last very long. But maybe you get them, you know, some Fox Rivers or some wigwams. Or if you're an enterprising person, you knit your own. Something that's going to last months, if not years. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you're not going to get someone something that's that's not going to really last. You want it to be something that's sort of meaningful but practical at the same time. My, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. My mom because uh, I'm obviously super duper goth, I asked for uh, I wanted a one year for Christmas asked for cuz she just started knitting a uh, I wanted a I wanted a scarf, but I wanted something like 15 feet long, something that was like huge that I had wrap I could completely wrap around my neck, my and my face and then still like go down on my feet and like I've had that for like 10 years man like I, I know exactly what you mean and it's so special to me and obviously obviously because my mom made it but uh any other small little traditions that uh the uh, big guns household uh, observes that's a lot of fun that you might not be uh orthodox but something that you guys do every year because it's fun and personal um not so much but you know we're pretty uh, a typical American Jewish family in that my wife is not Jewish, so we also do Christmas. Um, we don't go to church. 
like a Christian church, but we do the American Christmas of, you know, waking up on the 25th and having presents and doing stockings and, and things like that as well. So my, my daughter's definitely a little spoiled, but that's kind of how I grew up too, because my family did Christmas. Um, my mom, as we discussed last time, you know, growing up, she wasn't really a Christian. Um, she overcame addiction and then became a Christian, uh, which helped her overcome the addiction. Mm -hmm. So then it got a little more on the church side of things. But, you know, generally growing up, we didn't do too much religious stuff with, with Christmas. So we kind of keep that going as well. Um, yeah, I mean, really, that's about it. It's like I said, it's, it's just Thanksgiving. It's, it's a time to get together with your friends and your family and commiserate, eat some good food, gamble a little bit with very low stakes so no one's feelings get hurt. Right. Uh, you know, and just sort of come together and just enjoy your time, you know. Um, the concept of, you know, heaven and hell doesn't really exist for us. So it's, it's a just. very big thing for us to enjoy the time we have here on this planet. We don't have a lot of it. And you want to spend it with, with people who mean something to you at a time that's meaningful for you. And Hanukkah is the best time and place for that. At least for us. Last question. You're probably going to get uh, laughing for asking. Uh, how much did you like the Hanukkah song when it came out? Uh, <laughs> man, so me and my friend Tilo Savage, we used to sing it every day. Every <laughs> day. Um, it was, it was, that's a, again, that's a big moment for us because there's not that many Jewish kids where we grew up. We didn't grow, grow up in you know Queens. Mm -hmm. We grew up in Montana. So, you know, and especially because feature-wise, I don't look stereotypically Jewish. I don't have dark curly hair. I do have kind of a big nose, but I've got blue eyes, you know. And uh, my friend Tilo looks a little more stereotypical, so he would get picked on a little bit more. But when that song came out, that was sort of validation for us as, as people. You know, it was it was a big deal. I don't know that Adam Sandler knew how big of a deal it was when he made it because he did grow up in New York. So he was surrounded by fellow Jews. So he probably didn't realize he had this watershed moment when he was making a funny song for Saturday Night Live. But we certainly appreciated it. I loved that song that came out like it like it was funny, but not in a like pointing at something and laughing type of way. It just like. Like, really? All these guys are Jewish? This is awesome. <laughs> sure. And, you know, again, that's another step forward in that, that recognition process is a lot of people would not realize, like, Harrison Ford? That guy's Jewish? Captain Kirk? Mr. Spock? Mr. You know, Spock. and I think we actually talked about it last time, but, you know, the Vulcan greeting, the hand symbol they do is actually a priestly blessing. Um, Wonderful. You hold your hands together, and you're not supposed to peek. So the only reason that Leonard Nimoy knew what that was is because when he was a little kid and he was in the synagogue, he peeked when he shouldn't have, and then that's how he came up with the Vulcan hand signal. But that's sort of a traditional priestly blessing. I say that, and I'm saying it to kind of close out the show. For sure. Because maybe a similar design to that 
that Vulcan hand symbol, but is actually a Jewish blessing, might be coming in a parody T-shirt to the Big Guns Justin Andrews Pro Wrestling T-Store sooner rather than later. Hoping to be available in time for Hanukkah. For all you wrestling fans out there, if you guys know the Young Bucks came out with a very popular T-shirt celebrating their faith recently, maybe you're going to see Big Guns parody design. We'll see. We'll see. Details to fall. I hope I do, man. Uh, well, I, I appreciate you being on the show, man, sharing your time. I know you're you're probably uh, totally uh, uh, tired after uh, everything you did today for our country. Uh, and I hope that your hotel there is nice and comfy and you get some good rest. And we can't wait to see you again, man. All right, man. Well, uh, hopefully we'll see you next weekend uh, down at SoCo Pro Training Camp. To any and all people listening out there, if you want a good education in pro wrestling, look no farther than SoCo Pro training camp we'll we'll teach you everything and we got a green screen now i'm pretty proud <laughs> but yeah big guns justin andrews thank you so much man appreciate you being on minefields this transmission is over and this is dangerous don't hang up